next Wednesday. We can only afford to send one of you to an expensive college. The cost of going away to school pits Brandon against Brenda. Which one of us is going to be able to go? And when David walks in on Kelly by accident... David, get out of here! Living together won't be easy. An all-new 90210 next Wednesday. Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 3, Episode 9, High Wire. Mary, what happened this week? David accidentally walks in on Kelly as she's getting out of the shower in a scene that 100% should have had the Jaws theme playing. Most of the other kids are worried about where they're going to go to college, but Kelly, who has already blown off one college counseling meeting, and David are both more worried about the fact that he saw her naked. David literally cannot stop thinking about it. Kelly gives him a hard time, and Donna isn't happy with her. Speaking of Donna, it turns out our girl can draw. She gets a shout-out from her teacher in art class, along with the recommendation that she consider going to art school. Donna feels as though she has a chance at a fun and interesting future, not just community college like her parents have planned because her dad's kind of a dick and thinks her learning disability isn't real. Steve forgets his locker combination and has to ask the maintenance guy, Mr. Hutchins, to open his locker for him. To make a bad day worse, Mrs. Teasley lets him know that he has a D average and should probably try harder or maybe pick some more schools to apply to. Steve's response is to go to, go to BJ for the cheater key. He accepts the key, but it doesn't work anymore. Steve stakes out the maintenance room before sneaking in after hours to try to steal a new cheater key. Mr. Hutchins catches him looking at all the keys and accepts a bribe not to tell on him. Then he says Steve could have probably just bought a cheater key. Andrea's first choice for college is Yale, where Mr. Myers went to school. She tells him he wants to, or sorry, she tells him she wants to apply, and he's less than encouraging. Andrea has a recurring nightmare, which guest stars Dylan, Brandon, and Gil, I hate his fucking name, Myers. The boys in her dreams taunt her as she tries to cross a high wire to her dreams on the other side. No thanks to those assholes, she makes it and overcomes her anxiety. Then Gil is like, I'll write you a recommendation now. I needed to know you were the right kind of applicant or whatever. He sucks. I get bad vibes. The best part of this was when Audrea kicked him in the face in her dream. Brenda and Brandon are considering all the same schools, but for different reasons. All of their choices are out of state. Cindy and Jim tell the twins that there's a recession, houses cost money, and they can only afford to send one kid to an out-of-state school. Cue another Walsh family fight. Brenda says she shouldn't have to stay in state just because she's a girl. Brandon says he should get to go out of state because he's been daddy's good little worker bee who never asks for anything ever. Jim says shut the fuck up. He and Cindy are the people who get to decide on this decision. Dylan could not give a single fuck about going to college, which shouldn't be a surprise to Brenda because he's been saying that for at least a whole season of this show. Brenda still does not like his lack of a plan and tries to convince him to go to college where she goes to college. When that doesn't work, she asks Jim to convince him to go to college, as if that would ever work. Jim tells Brenda that maybe their differing life goals might be a deal-breaker for her, which is not at all what she wants to hear, but she starts to think that maybe that's true. 
While Brenda and Jim are talking, Brandon assumes she's convincing him why she should get to go to school out of state. He has another so-not-like-him meltdown to Cindy about it before saying he'll be the good little boy and go to school in California or Minnesota so they won't have to pay out-of-state tuition for him, and Brenda can do whatever she wants. Wah, poor Brandon. Brenda asks Kelly for advice about Dylan, worried they want different things in life. Later, Brenda calls Dylan to talk about stuff. He asks her not to plan her life around him because he doesn't want her to resent him later. Kelly shows up at Dylan's while they're talking, and Dylan says, I love you to Brenda while looking at Kelly, and what the fuck is that? Kelly tells Dylan she misses their friendship. She feels like they she can't talk to him whenever she wants to anymore, but then asks to go for a ride on his bike. The boys talk about how they undress girls in their minds all the time. Andrea overhears and asks if they ever do that about her. Steve says exactly the right thing. At first she's flattered, but then it gets a little weird. Cindy and Jim tell the twins they can both go to school wherever they want because they're going to take out a second mortgage on their house. Turns out that won't be necessary because both Brenda and Brandon... Did I say that right? Brenda and Brandon both decide they want to go to California <laughs> University. Callie apologizes to David for giving him a hard time about seeing her naked and suggests a bathroom schedule. Kelly then pretends to flash him, but she's wearing pajamas under her robe, and apparently that just fixes everything. I hated that ending. <laughs> yeah, it was a weird ending, but it was like so stupid. Hearing the synopsis made me like this episode even more. <laughs> I know. I muted myself, but I was laughing the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we start the episode almost exactly how we end the episode, and that is Kelly in the shower. And yeah, totally spot on with your synopsis. Definitely should have had like Jaws music or Psycho or like (laughs) something sinister because I felt something sinister come along. And sure enough, that sinister thing was David Silver. (laughs) Oh, my God. David's dancing in this (laughs) scene. Oh my god, it cracked me up so much. And then I just was imagining him as like a shark, but dancing. (laughs) No, oh my god, that's so perfect. Yeah. Yeah, the whole time this scene was happening, I was like, oh no. Oh no. Mm -hmm. Oh no. Yeah, and then of course he like walks in and lingers for the longest time. And so we take, you know four steps forward and like a million and four steps backward in the hole. David's actually not that bad anymore. <laughs> Back to David is truly the silver psychopath and he didn't just see Kelly's nose this time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, literally last episode we were saying like, oh, we need to get up. Like David's going to mature. He's going to be so much better. Everything's fine. And then this episode, he just didn't leave. Yeah, exactly. He just kept looking And, you know, Kelly puts the towel on as quickly as I guess she can. And (laughs) he just keeps looking. I just, like, made eye contact with her boobs and was just (laughs) like, God, I'm so sorry. (laughs) He memorized her body. Jesus Christ, he did. The idea that Steve shows up later and is like, tell me some defining feature. And he's like, she has a birthmark in the shape of a pear. no. A pair that's had a bite taken out of it on her upper thigh. I was like, oof. Ew. Yeah, it was And then, like, Donna spends so much of this episode being like, he saw you. It's an accident. Just, you know, forget it. He didn't mean to. And I was like, Mm -hmm. you don't know. 
Well, and that's the thing too, is like, yeah, he probably, it probably was an accident, like honestly and truly, but Donna has to remember, like he was obsessed with her forever. So he's not completely faultless. No. And I do appreciate that Donna is like, no, he's dating me now. I have total confidence in him. Like that's totally fine, whatever. But yeah, they never talk. Like, I feel like so many things happen in this relationship that Donna doesn't actually have any clue about. And that's not fair to her. <laughs> no, it's not. And But at the same time, like, I mean, because I feel like, you know, Brenda, she would get mad about stuff like that. Or even Kelly, she would get mad about stuff. But Donna, like, for some reason seems so chill. And maybe it's just because she's so confident, like, weird, like weirdly confident. Because think about it. She's like... When she and David talked about not the fact that they were not going to have sex, she was like, yeah, that's not happening. And if you're not cool with that, then I'm sorry. And he was just like, okay. And then it's like, fine. So I'm like, maybe Donna's just like really cool and really confident. And she just like doesn't really care about stuff. No, I mean, she is so emotionally mature. Like it kind of blows my mind. Because that's the thing, right? Like if this was me in high school and I heard about this, I would have just like marched straight over to his little DJ booth and be like, what did you do? (laughs) I can never – like I would have just been like, you have to knock before you go into every door. And I just – I would have been on him. And she's just like, no, he didn't mean to do that. Right. No. Mm -hmm. I feel like Donna just has a lot of control over David now. And a lot of confidence in that because he kissed Nikki over the summer and she got him back for that. Yeah, I think you're right. Or at least like she, you know, he kissed Nikki and then she became her like little buddy or whatever. And it's almost like, look, David, I'm going to be cool about these things. Also get back at you for doing this. So that means you shouldn't do it again. But this is what's going to happen if you cross me again. I'll be cool. Until I'm not. Yeah, I definitely think it was something of just like, I know what you did. Right. Like, I I know. You can't hide things from me. Yeah, he's not a good liar or like a good like, like he doesn't keep his cool. He couldn't even freaking read the morning announcement about the cheerleaders having tryouts, you know, without like flubbing and blubbering and just staring and- at Kelly. Daring, which also Kelly was talking to other people. I was just like, oh my God, you have other friends? <laughs> I know. I was like, this is definitely like a study group, right? Or like a, a group project assignment. <laughs> this is not friends. <laughs> when he started talking about cheerleading tryouts, I was just like, oh my God, I wish someone would try out for cheerleading. Yeah. I really do. I feel it's like Brenda's would... last chance. <laughs> yeah. I know. But she I do. She needs extracurriculars. That's true. And you know what? That might help Donna too. Cause you know, we know later in the episode when she's like going to her counseling session for college, she's, you know, talking about her learning disability and like what her parents think, like that could probably boost it if she just, you know, was a little bit more well-rounded. Not that she's not, but we just don't know it. Well, and that's the thing is I feel like basically no one in this friend group except for Brandon actually does have extracurriculars that they can talk about in yeah. their essays and stuff. Like, no one is going to stand out except for Brandon and Andrea. And it, oh, I hate the idea that Brandon's going to get into colleges. Yeah, well, I know where all these kids go and don't go to college. So you can uh, rest assured that somebody d- isn't all like that these college sessions or like these conversations are cracked up to be. Let's try and get to all the college stuff because I have a lot to say about that. Okay. So, yeah, like, we see the David and Kelly thing, then we go to school, and Brandon and Mr. 
Myers mm-hmm. walk in like bonding over hockey, which whatever. But then Andrea is talking about how she has to balance the paper and classes and after school activities like the rap line and college applications. And Brandon's just like, meh. Right. Yeah. Well, and she has to mention that like she's worried she can't afford, you know, college without a scholarship just because she's like she doesn't come from money. She's having to, you know, work really hard and academically so that she could get a scholarship to go to one of these out of state colleges. Um you know, so obviously that's that's an interesting point that I feel like not a lot of um, TV shows even now really bring up when they talk about, you know, high school, transitioning from high school to college is the financial side of it. Because especially now, like now college is astronomically expensive and it's really hard to get financial aid and it's really hard to get scholarships just because everything's so competitive, too. So I feel like it was it was kind of nice actually hearing about kind of the full picture of college. It's not just about your grades. It's also about your extracurriculars. It's about, you know, your family. It's about, um, you know, the financial aid part of it. It's, it's, and then in state versus state. Oh yeah. And like everything that was happening in the Walsh household felt so true. Like Jim being like, well, we're too rich for financial aid, but we're too poor to not have it. Yeah. It was like, that's such a mood for like the entire middle class. Oh, absolutely. And that's why it's so interesting that, you know, the middle class isn't more of a focus, which I don't want to get too, you know, politicky on this, but just because it makes up such a large percentage of the population. And yet it almost feels like there's kind of a, like Jim said, a catch 22, you know, it's like, you're not quite here, but you're not there either. So it's just kind of like, what do you do? Yeah. I mean, that's exactly it, right? Like they even say it when they do the like back and forth between Brandon and Brenda uh, doing their college conferences or whatever they were called, where like Brandon says, we're not exactly, what do you say? He says we're not exactly rich and Brenda says we're not exactly poor. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you're both right. You're in the middle class. And it's kind of interesting, the perspective, like Brandon probably, and and I don't mean anything negative toward Brenda when I say this, but Brandon probably just has a little bit more perspective on the family finances since he, you know, did want to have a job to buy a car because he knew his parents weren't going to buy him one, you know, and Brenda just didn't care about having a car. So it's not that she doesn't, you know, it's not that she's not respectful of the family's finances. She just may not know as intimately as Brandon might just because she's not really asked for like, I want a car, give me a car or whatever. Yeah. It's that idea of like, you don't understand the time value of money Mm -hmm. because you've never had to earn a paycheck and see like, oh, well, I worked so hard, but all these taxes have to come out. And now I have to figure out how to spend my money on gas insurance and, you know, whatever. Right. Like, it's just different. And I do love that they talk about that later when Cindy's like, well, maybe Brandon should get the money because he has had a job. And Jim was just like, no, he had a job because he wanted a car. Yeah, exactly. Which is such an important point to bring up. It's like, you can't really talk about who deserves it more, but when they're asking two completely different questions. Yeah, absolutely. And like, oh my gosh, when they first like took them into the dining room and were like, we only have enough money for one of you to go to a big fancy college. I was just like, what? (laughs) Like, oh my God. And then I started like typing furiously on my laptop and John, I had the subtitles on. He wasn't like 
listening to the episode, but he could see the subtitles. And he was like, what's happening? Why are you so like excited about this? And I told him, and I was like, and now they're saying they don't have all this money, even though they just got the the membership to the beach club last year and like completely rebuilt Brandon's car and sent Brenda to Paris and all of this stuff. And then he goes, well, maybe Jim is putting him and his wife's mental health in front of their children. Is that so bad? I just stared at him for a minute. And he goes, <laughs> I mean, no, it's terrible. They got a country club membership instead of sending their kids to college. Right. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm writing down everything you say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's just interesting when, I, I mean, it's all about perspective, right? Like a lot of parenting is, you know, talked about as putting your kids in front of yourself. And that is financially true. It's with your time. It's, you know, it's with a lot of things. And so that's not to say that parents can't have fun and they can't, you know, do what they want and things like that. But you would think with Jim being an accountant that he He would planned for this. Yeah, exactly. Like he would know, okay, two years ago or last year, we couldn't afford the country club membership because XYZ. This year, we don't really care about XYZ. We're just going to do it anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's this whole thing of like, you know, I don't know how savings plans and whatnot happened back then, but it's like now you, you know, create a 529 and it Mm -hmm. goes in and like you get index funds and that's what's going to help you save up for your kid to go to college and, you know, all these things. But really, yeah, like Jim should have sat there and been like, well, we can spend thousands of dollars on, you know, a beach facing cabana for two months or I can put more money in for my kids to go to college who are going to college next year. Yeah. And that's the thing too. It would have been totally different if one of them hadn't expressed any interest in college, but they definitely have. And that's seeming to be what the standard was as they were growing up too. Well, and they're mentioning Northwestern, Stanford, NYU, BU. These are all like private colleges. These are expensive schools and they're in expensive cities and I was just like, if they're talking about these things, I feel like y'all had these conversations last year when they were taking their SATs, and maybe this is a conversation you should have had earlier. Oh, totally. Yeah. It was funny when they were talking about the same schools, which I know they're just trying to play on the whole twin thing, but um, then Mrs. Teasley and Brandon's meeting like mentions that he has a B-plus average. I'm like, in what universe can a B plus average get you into NYU, Northwestern, and Stanford? I don't know about BU, but like, in what universe? I know. When they said he had a B plus average, I was like, Brandon, really? <laughs> yeah. Like, you sit there talking about all these things and you want to coast, but you want to get into Stanford? Right. Like, sir, no. Yeah, like, Oof. Stanford is the Ivy League of the West Coast. Like, <laughs> that's like Andrea saying she wants to get into Yale, but she has a B-plus uh, average. Oh, my gosh. Can we talk about Andrea wanting to go to Yale, though? Okay, so this made me think of Topanga. And see, I wrote Rory. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Because <laughs> I was like, we've made the parallels between her and Gilmore Girls already, but I like the Topanga one because you know she's not going to end up going to Yale. I know, because she's, she's on the show for like ten, the whole 10 years or whatever. Well, and they're going to do a whole like, she's a poor, she can't <laughs> yeah. go. Right, exactly. Oh, man, I know exactly what happens with her storyline, and it is something. 
Also, when they're talking in the uh, newspaper room and Brandon's like, I don't understand. How have you not gotten a ton of academic scholarship offers? And she says she's gotten some, but who wants to spend four years in Cecily, Alaska? Cecily, Alaska is not a real place. No. Yeah, so I guess no one. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so I I Googled it because it was like, what school is there? Is that like Alaska University or Mm -hmm. something? No, it's the fake town from the show Northern Exposure. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, which was on air at the time. So like it made sense. Mm -hmm. But it was like, interesting. I don't have enough context about the show Northern Exposure. Yeah, I don't either. But I thought that was funny. Yeah, what a cute little reference. Yeah, just like buried under there, which, you know, when this was airing probably was super relevant. But um, yeah, I do find it interesting that she hasn't heard back a lot yet, just because I feel like, you know, with her grades, which we can assume are higher than Brandon, because she seems like the type that would like, you know. She's an A A student. She's got a 4.0. For sure. Minimum. And then, you know, she started, she started an organization, you know, the rap line and has kept it going. And then, you know, she's the editor and has been on the blaze for multiple years. So it's like, you know, it's, it seems like she would definitely be a candidate for a lot of different colleges to seek her out rather than just applying to random scholarships and hoping she gets money. But so I can definitely understand her, um, you know, worry that she, isn't getting what she's wanting. It's already, you know, the start of her senior year. She's got to finish applying to these schools or um, whatever. I'm sure she applies early if the early deadline existed back then. And, you know, so I can, I can understand her anxiety because, you know, if you're an overachiever and if you're wanting to go to a place like Yale and that's your number one choice, that's all you can think about. Well, yeah. And I think she does mention wanting to early apply to Yale when she's talking to Mr. Myers, because then like he has, the line read that like I feel like the way he was saying things sounded really negative but the actual words he was saying were not negative which made me think of you know Jason Priestley's acting in general Mm. but I mean he says like when she says she wants to go to Yale he's like oh good luck they're very selective and uh oh yeah don't put all your eggs in one basket but he says it like well good luck yeah yeah which I understand wanting to like maybe keep her head out of the clouds or, you know, be a little too confident. But at the same time, he's like, he's not exactly being encouraging. Like it's one of those things where he should have been like, Oh wow. You know, I think Yale would be a great opportunity for you. Just make sure you've got some backup schools too, in case things don't pan out because they only accept, you know, X amount of students per year or something like that. Which he totally says at the end of the episode. He's like, you're the exact kind of person that Yale's looking for. But the way he says it the first time they talk totally makes sense that she's having these dreams where, like, she's on a high wire and he's standing behind her sawing the high wire in half. And it's just like, I don't understand. Why is this stressful for you? Yeah, and it doesn't hurt that, like, at the very end, he says exactly what he keeps saying over and over in the dream, too. When he's like, um, oh, I didn't know I had that kind of effect on you. First of all, gross. (laughs) Second of all, yikes. Yeah, I cannot figure out what I'm supposed to be thinking about Mr. Myers. Because, like, Brandon seems to think he's so great. I don't think he has a good relationship with Andrea. And then, like, he looked like an insane person in her dream. Oh, totally. (laughs) His hair was wild. (laughs) He's, like, he's so creepy. I don't know what it is. But I just get bad vibes from this mm-hmm. dude. Like, yeah. And he's just an asshole. Yeah. Like, 
it yeah. came across like he was trying to test Andrea's commitment to really wanting to go to Yale before offering to write her a recommendation after she like yelled at him about being the right person to go to Yale. I yeah, don't know. Was, I just he just has a different standard for Andrea and it's a weird standard. And and again, I think it comes down to the fact that he is literally sexist because you know, he's broing it out with Brandon and talking about going to a Kings game together, which number one is super unprofessional. And number two is just weird for, you know, grown ass male high school teacher to invite his student to go with him to a hockey game, just the two of them. But then with Andrea, it's all business, right? It's all about, you know, the paper and it's about college and it's about Yale. It's kind of like that whole thing where Andrea has to work twice as hard to get half the credit you know, she's she's bending over backwards and having literal nightmares about getting a re- letter of recommendation or about getting his approval when all Brandon has to do is say, oh, you've got King season tickets. And he's like, yeah, we should go. Totally, bro. It's like, uh, yeah. So I'm not a fan of Mr. Myers. Well, yeah. And like even when they started talking about Yale, like this was a part John was listening a little bit. And he was like, why does everyone want to go to Yale so much? Like the people <laughs> – Like, we're just on a whole thing, and I apologize if any of our listeners are Ivy League students or alumni, but John was just like, I don't understand. And I feel like, you know, it's it's just a thing they throw into shows with high school students because somebody has to want to go to an Ivy League, but he's like, I don't get it. Like, why is that the place that she's going to fit in? And I was like, and that's kind of, you know, he's a Yale alumni, and he's kind of a dick. Yeah, he definitely is. Well, and I think it's kind of funny how the three references that we have so far are all for Yale because this is Yale, Topanga was Yale, and Rory was Yale. And originally Rory was Harvard, but I do find it kind of interesting that you don't really hear about any other Ivy League school other than Harvard, Princeton, and Yale. And it's like there are six other Ivies and then not even including, you know, the Stanfords of the world, the NYU's, the MIT's, and Northwestern and things like that. So I'm like, I wonder if the writers of these TV shows are like, no, 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 no. Harvard is too, like, stereotypical Ivy League school. Let's do Yale. (laughs) But then by doing that, they almost made that the stereotypical Ivy League school to talk about. Yeah, that was another thing I was trying to think about because, like, you know, we've also been watching episodes of 30 Rock, and that's, you know, a parody of SNL, and they always make comments because one of the writers – like one of the characters who's a writer on 30 Rock always talks about how he went to Harvard and that's a whole thing on SNL is like all these people wrote for the Harvard Lampoon and like, oh, if you're a comedy writer, you went to Harvard and you wrote on the Lampoon and all this stuff. And I was like, I wonder how much of that kind of thing is playing into the TV writers and like, you know, their opinions on Harvard versus Yale. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I have literally nothing about it. I know nothing other than the fact that, like, TV writers are the ones writing about all these schools. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, I wonder if that has anything to do with it. Like, if anyone on the staff at 90210 went to Yale or Harvard or wanted to go to, like, be a writer, I don't know. I was going to say, it almost makes me think about how Dax and Monica on Armchair Expert are always obsessed with, they call themselves uniphiles because they're obsessed with, you know, the Ivies and, and the big wig schools and stuff. But it also makes me think of how often 
Dax talks about being an anthropology major. And it almost makes me think, yeah, it's the same thing in television school, uh, shows when you're writing about high school students that you have to pepper in an Ivy League, you know, with, with someone. Like you said a second ago, it's like someone's got it. Like one person of the school probably wants to go to an Ivy League school. So might as well write it in. Well, and like everyone else is looking at state schools if they're looking at schools at all. You know, with the exception of Donna and her parents apparently telling her to go to community college. Like, that's a – I don't know. That was a whole weird other thing that I yeah. don't know how to verbalize. But, like, the way that the Walshes were talking about state schools, I was like, excuse me. I know. There's nothing wrong with a state school. I chose state school multiple times. Oh, I know. I mean, my alma mater, as well as yours for grad school, is a state school, and it's – in my humble opinion, the best state school there is. And, and <laughs> I mean, but also think about it. There are more state schools than not state schools in this country. So why is that a bad thing? Well, and yeah, like my undergrad was like the next tier down state school for Georgia. Like it's not like I, you know, I don't know. It was Frankly, whole- any school is is a good, like I kind of, don't like the notion that there are these tiers of schooling. Like, obviously I get it when you kind of get into that upper echelon where it's the Ivy league, because you know, you do attract the best professors and you do get this like crazy education. But then I feel like from there on, there's not a huge difference. Like, especially once you kind of get in the working world, it doesn't really matter where you went to school with the exception of having a specific program or, you know, something that, you know, you really wanted to go into that not a lot of programs had. Um, Because then, and especially even if you're thinking about just grades in general, because it's like, no, I have literally never once been asked, oh, what was your GPA at Georgia? Or like, what was your, you know, grade in this class? Or, you know, did you excel at this rather than this? It's like, nobody really cares. So I kind of don't like the, they were just kind of making it seem like, like you said, like settling for a state school. But honestly, that's not really settling. Settling would just be like not like they did it. I understand what they were trying to do. They were trying to frame it as settling because it's not expensive or it's not glamorous. But what it came across as is that they're getting a worse education, which I didn't like. Oh, yeah. Which like when we were applying for colleges was definitely a thing that was impressed upon me. Like when I went to Kennesaw instead of like getting into Georgia and going to Georgia. Like that was a big deal. And like my parents even made a big deal out of it. And we're like, you're going, you, you're going to go to Kennesaw. And I was like, well, first of all, (laughs) limited choices here. Yeah. (laughs) Second of all, like no one gives a shit now. The only thing anybody talks about with like my alma mater now is the fact like that so many people went to state schools and now want to talk about sports. Right. Exactly. Like you know, when I was an auditor and like we all met up at, you know, our first week of class of work together, like it literally did not matter where you went to school mm-hmm. because we all graduated with the same degree and had the same jobs. And then, you know, we all got our CPAs and then all had licenses and now nobody gives a shit. It exactly. does not matter where I went to school. Yeah, exactly. Like right on. Like at least down here in the South, it really only matters what school you went to to figure out what sports team you root for. 
Yeah, and like which sport? Like, right. oh, if you went to Kentucky, you probably care more about basketball than football. Exactly. I mean, I just remember when I applied to colleges, like I applied to five schools and four of them were state schools. And the fifth one was the University of Tennessee. And the only reason, there are two reasons I applied. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> there were two reasons why I applied to Tennessee it was number one, because at the time I wanted to be a sports reporter. And I, if I was going to be a sports reporter, I was going to Tennessee to cover the women's basketball program because that was my jam. And number two was just because I wanted something different. Like I wanted an option that wasn't here and I wanted to see if I could get in. But then you know what it boiled down to? Money. It costs, oh, yeah. you know, an exorbitant amount of money to go out of state when you do live in Georgia, because I think we've mentioned this before on the podcast, but, you know, Georgia has a program called the Hope Scholarship, where if you get a certain GPA, at least when we were in school, you got free tuition and you just had to pay for, you know, books and room and board and, and all that kind of that kind of stuff. And they still have it. It's just not full tuition anymore. But that's the thing. If you compared, literally, you lay all five of those schools out on you know paper they are very very similar it's just one might be less expensive than the other or like I said a second ago like one might have the program you really want and actually it worked out that I chose Georgia because Georgia has a better journalism school than Tennessee and that's what I ended up majoring in yeah I mean it was kind of you know, when I applied for colleges, like I was applying for stuff and we have the Hope Scholarship. So like I told my parents that I wanted to apply to University of Michigan because we have so much family up there. And my mom was straight up like, if you apply and decide to go out of state, we're not paying for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like that's what made me stay in school too. Like it's the same thing. But like, yeah, if you look at numbers wise, it's insane state versus none. And I don't know. It just, this whole thing brought up so many memories, like especially <laughs> when they were going to talk to Miss Teasley about, you know, college counseling and whatnot. John was just like, this shit was not offered to me when oh, I no. went to high school. Same. Like maybe I had a teacher that was particularly interested in what school I was applying to, but certainly not like every student got, you know, college counseling. 30 minutes or something. Yeah. That was definitely yeah, not like, offered. We had this, the counselor's office was open and you could choose to go talk to them. Mm -hmm. And like pretty much they were just like, we want to hear from you if you've already applied and gotten scholarships. And then we want to know where you're going to school so that we can plaster it all over the school where you're in college. Yeah. No, same. We had this like giant bulletin board outside one of the main hallways and it literally was updated with like a picture of the student in the senior class and then underneath what school they got accepted to and decided on going to. It's like, yeah, uh, that's all that was offered. Yeah. They put like little things on all of our lockers saying what school we were going to. And it's like, this feels kind of shameful. (laughs) Yeah. A little bit. Like this feels very stressful because like, yeah, you could see people that were going to like Duke and Northwestern, UGA, and then like the next tier down, which have been like, you know, Columbus, Kennesaw, Georgia State. And then I think there were like three people that went to like a local community college or like didn't go to college at all. And I was like, when there's only 200 people in the class, not even, this feels very pointed. Yeah. And I think too, like alongside that is the same kind of thing that was brought up in this episode when Donna had her counseling session, basically she was talking to Miss Teasley and Donna doesn't have the best grades. And we all know that she has a learning disability and things like that. And so 
you know, Mrs. Teasley was talking openly about, you know, Donna's options and Mrs. Teasley was very encouraging. Um, Mm -hmm. But basically Donna's parents, apparent. Oh, I know. Mrs. Teasley is great. I'm glad we're seeing more of her. Um, But essentially Donna's dad is basically saying that Donna's learning disability is fake and that she's just not very smart and should just go to community college, which kind of leading to back around to the whole shaming kind of thing and in, in school and seeing where people went and where they chose to go versus where they didn't. And I just think there's a big stigma around a technical school or a community college or something like that saying that it's a lesser school or that only, you know, the less intelligent or less academically focused kids go there. And it's like, I just don't like that stigma because if somebody is committed to, you know, learning more and, and like honing a craft and, you know, figuring out what they're good at and then exploring that, why the heck does it matter where they do that at? Well, and it does, it doesn't matter where they do it. It doesn't matter when they do it because they have the whole stigma too about Dylan not wanting to go to college. And Brenda is just like, what? And I'm like, college is not for everyone. Like you shouldn't be forced into going to a four-year school if that's not where you're meant to go. Exactly. And if you do really have, you know, the desire, like for example, well, granted, this is a little bit different. So my, um, my youngest cousin, she just got accepted into, um, she, so she's a senior and she got accepted into tech Auburn and, and Georgia tech. Um, and, um, Mm -hmm. I forget what the school is called, but it's an, uh, kind of art type school in New York. And she also applied to RISD, which is the Rhode Island school of design. And she didn't get into RISD, but she got into the school in New York. And I, my mom couldn't remember the name of it. And now I don't know the name of it. And I feel bad for that. But she's going to go, but she's taking a gap year. And a lot of that has to do with the coronavirus right now. But she also kind of wanted to do that just because. like, And I think that should totally be fine, too. Like, if you're not ready to transition from high school to college, who cares? Like, do what's best for you. Yeah, absolutely. And, like you know, the whole community college thing, like this argument does not really apply to Beverly Hills, but you know, there's shows like Last Chance You and that kind of stuff that they put on Netflix. And like a lot of kids choose to go to community college because that's the only way they're going to be able to go to college or like, you know, they're athletes that don't get recruited right out of high school because they're not big enough to go. Right. Like there's a, there's actually a decent amount of people in the NFL that weren't big enough to go to like a D1 school right when they got out of co- out of high school. So they went to a community college, put in like two years there, and now they get to go to like – there are just so many different paths that you can take. And I thought it was really interesting. They actually do address like, oh, well, you could go to a community college. You could go to like a non-traditional four-year college and go to an art school. You could, you know, not go to college right away because you don't think that's the right path for you. But at the same time, like, you still have the Walshes being like, well, you have to go to school. You have to go to a four-year college. How dare you want to go to a state school? You have to try for an NYU or a BU or, you know. Mm-hmm. It was just a lot. It it brought up a lot of memories and feelings. Oh, I know. But I do, I mean, I know we always say that, you know, Beverly Hills is, is hit or miss a lot with these kind of, <laughs> like, more intense topics. And I do actually think they do a decent job, um, you know, kind of going through the whole college experience because like you said, they at least acknowledge that there are so many 
kind of layers to it. It's not just college or nothing. It's four-year schools, IVs, community colleges, art schools, um, state schools, and then the option of not going to college because you just don't want to, and that's okay too. And so I do think, you know, at least they're acknowledging that when a lot of school or not schools, when a lot of TV shows about high school kids don't even really talk about it, or they kind of push an agenda one way or the other. Like, you know, we mentioned Topanga earlier in the episode, and I even feel like in Boy Meets World, for as much as I love that show, you know, they kind of shamed Sean for not wanting to go to school um, or not wanting to go to college. And like Corey and pretty much everyone else went to a state school and then Topanga wanted to go to Yale and then obviously didn't. But I just Which feel like they I'll kinda, never get over. Oh, I know. She absolutely should have picked Yale. But um, absolutely. I mean, insert uh, <laughs> Jess from Gilmore Girls talking to Topanga <laughs> <laughs> and just change it to why did you choose Corey over Yale? <laughs> Yale. Exactly. Yeah, guys, if you didn't know, Yale has two syllables. Yale. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Oh, and you know, um, with all this, like, we're talking about how it has layers and they're talking about all these options. I thought it was kind of interesting. They don't really ever breach the topic of student loans. Oh, I know. I thought about like, the entire time. Like the Walshes are, you know, talking about, oh, well, school costs like $20,000 a year. We only have enough money to send one of you. I feel like, yeah, they never breach the subject of like, we'll give each of you $10,000 a year for school. You have to cover the rest. Yeah. And I know um, Jim mentioned the recession and I know there was an early or a smaller recession in the early nineties, but Mm -hmm. I wonder if that had anything to do with the whole loans. Like maybe interest rates were like huge, you know, and maybe that's why it wasn't really an option or they just didn't think about it. But yeah, I thought the same thing. Yeah. I mean, truly like, despite the fact that I have a license and I am an accountant and I should know a lot of these things, I barely understand that kind of, like that's much more finance than accounting. But like, I know, you know, we're going through this dip right now and interest rates are so volatile. You have to catch it at the right time. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, maybe they were like, you know, 5% interest rates versus like 2% interest rates or whatnot. But like, yeah, they never breach the subject of student loans. And I I do love that Jim ends this uh, episode being like, well, we're just going to take a second mortgage on the house. We'll die in debt. It's the American way. And I was like, what? (laughs) Um, You also know that that was my quote of the week, right? (laughs) Oh, if it wasn't yours, it was going to be mine. Yeah. I mean, that was like the most self-aware thing that the show has probably ever said. I know. I was just like, this is a mood. Like, this is a <laughs> mood that transcends decades. Right? Isn't that crazy how, like, as much as things change, certain things really do just stay the same. <laughs> that education in the United States is too expensive? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, While we were talking about that, um, since we're kind of around that conversation about financial aid and all that kind of stuff, it was when um, Brandon and Brenda were kind of making their cases. And, you know, Brenda thinks that, you know, she's not going to get picked because she's a girl. And then Brandon 
thinks that Brenda's spoiled and that's why she's going to get picked or whatever. And Brandon's like, I've never asked mom and dad for a dime. I'm like, oh my God, what? (laughs) Well, and then he's like, remember when I crashed Mondale and I couldn't drive for six months? I was like, what are you talking about? You drove the very next episode. Well, and also, even if that were true, that was probably not Jim and Cindy Walsh making that mandate. That was probably government that was mandated. Legal. <laughs> well, and like Brenda even calls it out. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, sir, you got a DUI. Exactly. Like, like you that is not the same thing. I know. It is Ugh. not the same thing. I know. And I feel like, you know, it, so I obviously figured that they weren't going to choose a kid because like, what a horrible parenting thing to do is like pick I, one kid over the other. But truly though, I really wanted them to. I wanted them yeah. to be like, actually, I would have loved if they like went in, they were like, we picked a child. And then like Jim said Brenda and Cindy said Brandon. And then they just looked at each other and were like, <laughs> oh no. Oh wait, sorry. Uh, can you give us a minute? <laughs> Yeah, no, I was kind of thinking that, like, if they had chosen a kid, that they'd probably pick Brandon, and the reasons are stupid, but, like, I figured they would pick Brandon because Brenda probably wants to study theater and acting, and they're going to view that as, like, not a real degree or something, which it totally is, or they'd pick Brandon because he is a, like, boy, which is silly, but is still a thing, um, or because he's not dating Dylan. <laughs> like, <laughs> Cause honestly, let's be real, Dylan can just be a scapegoat for anything. I know. Well, and I love that when they're arguing on the way to school and Dylan's like, I need you to go to your neutral corners. And it's like you're making a bigger deal out of this. And Brenda's like, Well, you have money. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Well, and also I love when um they were fighting and Dylan was there and Dylan was like, Yeah, you, you know, I think you guys should just chill out. And Brenda's like, Yeah, Brandon, chill out. <laughs> I know. It's like that should be the mantra of every episode. Brandon, chill out. Uh-huh. That was my quote of the week this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Oh god. Well, because yeah, I mean later when Brandon comes in and I don't remember exactly what he says, but Cindy says that Brenda and Jim are talking. And Brandon's like takes the soda out of the fridge. Is like, of course they are. Well, you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna go to a state school, so you don't need to worry about it. And da 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 da. And he was just like really combative about it, and was like, you just don't even need to worry about it. And he walked away. It's like, I bet that's not how that line was supposed to go. Well, that's what I was thinking too, because on the one hand, that would have absolutely been what I would have done. Like if my parents told me that they could only choose between me and my sister to like go to a fancy or like out of state school. I being the people pleaser that I am would have looked at other options and been like, look, you know what? If it'll make everyone else happy, I'm cool with going to a state school. You know, I, I can still work and like blah, blah, blah. Like all the points that Brandon makes. Um, but I wouldn't but have said it. Yeah. I wouldn't have been so angry about it. Like, you know, cause he's just salty that Brenda is quote unquote winning when in fact, like that wasn't even the conversation that Brenda and Jim were having, but you know, it, at least he kind of like looked into some options because he realized, Oh wait, my parents, this is a financial burden for my parents. And that goes back to his having a different perspective because he has, you know, had a job. He kind of sees a little bit, you know, different value on money than Brenda does. And again, not saying anything bad, it's just a different perspective. And so I do think that what 
Brandon said was actually a good thing. But again, Jason it Priestley, was just such a bad read. He just loves to get angry. So <laughs> no, that was exactly because I like he said the whole thing and he walked away and Cindy goes like, oh, Brandon. And I was like, mm-hmm. this could have gone identical. But Brandon would have been like, look, I thought about it. You know, I'm going to go to a state school. I can get a job. I'll take care of myself. That way you guys don't have to worry about it. Exactly. And then he's walked away. Yeah. And I was like, same thing, but without this weird read. Yeah. It's just all all a tonal difference. Yeah. Um, without being a brat. Yeah. And in, and then actually it's a good segue into Jim and Brenda's conversation because this was finally a good Jim and Brenda scene because you could hear, you know, obviously – Brenda taking some of the things that Jim was saying the wrong way. Jim probably still being a little salty about Dylan and the whole thing because, you know, obviously that's not just an oh, by the way, that that whole fight thing did happen. But you can hear both of them trying not to get upset about stuff and, like, actually have a constructive conversation. And it, was, it wasn't them at each other's throats. It wasn't, you know, Jim against Brenda and Brenda against Jim. It was... You know, obviously, Jim still doesn't really think that much about Dylan because he says outright, you know, he doesn't feel like Dylan has any motivation or any aspirations, which to some degree, we haven't really seen that. So I don't think that's an unfair comment. But, you know, Jim does point out like, hey, this isn't your job to like tell Dylan what to do with his life. And you got to be okay with that. Like, that's just how it's going to go. And if that means you're going down different paths, then that's how it is. And I know you don't want to hear it, but that's just how it is. Well, yeah. And I loved that, you know, Brenda's like, can't you just talk to him? And he's like, do you really think I should be talking to Dylan and telling him (laughs) what to do? Like, this is just such an emotionally mature conversation. And he does say, like, you asked me to look at your relationship as a serious relationship. And, you know, maybe this is the point where you guys start to drift apart. I'm not saying that you should break up, but I'm saying that you should think about that. Exactly. And he made really good points and, you know, came across as, you know, giving, being an actual parent here, giving advice, not just an authoritarian kind of, you know, role player in this. Yeah. No, I really liked this scene. I thought this was a really good one. Same. And then I think it's after this that Brenda goes into Brandon's room and is just like, you can have the money. I'm going to stay here because she wants to stay with Dylan, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was not immediately after, but um, because this was when Brandon was reading of Mice and Men and she Yeah, and he was reading it super weird. He like had the, like he was holding his arm out like really far. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm super blind and I need my books really close to my face so I can see them. But I was like, who reads like... At a full arm's length. I'll tell you, every, like, you know, boomer right now takes their phone and then has to, you know, bring it back (laughs) a little bit to read a text message. (laughs) I just, like, this felt like Brandon being like, I am Brandon, an intellectual. Yeah. Watch me read. Like, this was so posed. He needed, like, a beret and, like, a pipe. (laughs) Also, I love that he's in AP English and, like, had that whole reading list and of Mice and Men and all that kind of stuff. I was like, I mean, I guess it makes sense that he's in AP English. Oh, yeah. But also, we read of Mice and Men my freshman year, and I always feel like like that's what I use. Like, when I saw he's in AP English and reading of Mice and Men, I was like, no, no. By <laughs> senior year AP English, you're reading yeah, uh, East of Eden. Right. Yeah, I also thought it. Steinbeck. 
Yeah. I thought it was also funny that when he talked about that at the Peach Pit that he was reading that because he had the cliff notes, Dylan was like, oh, yeah, I've read all that stuff. Like, I don't need AP English. I've already, I've already read all that stuff. I know. And I was like, this is the difference. Like, Brandon has to be like, I am an intellectual. And Dylan's just like, yeah, I read it. Yeah. <laughs> like, what of it? I think, I mean, that pretty much covers, like, Brandon and Brenda talking about college, right? Because at the end of it, they decide, like, Jim and Cindy are like, oh, we're just going to go horribly in debt for the rest of our lives and never retire to take care of you guys. And then they're both like, we're just going to go to state school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they both decide they want to apply to California University, which is obviously a fake university, but apparently it's convenient because it's right here in L.A. And they both want to go there. It's apparently a really good school and all that. So that kind of wraps that up is that, you know, they had all of this for not really a whole lot of productiveness here. It was just to um, basically say they're both going to go to the same college. Yeah. I mean, this was really an episode that wrapped up like pretty much everyone is going to end up staying in California for one reason or another. Mm -hmm. Like I am actually really interested to see what happens with Donna and this art school thing, because the idea that she just started taking art this semester, I guess, mm -hmm. and is just now going to put together a portfolio to apply to art schools. Like I don't know anything about art school, but I feel like your portfolio can't be put together in a month. Yeah, I would agree. And so I'm really interested to see how that all plays out. And speaking of art, did you see the boom mic in the art class? Oh, I missed it. Yeah, it was just like a little teeny dip in art class and a little teeny dip in Donna's meeting with Miss Teasley. Oh, man. Donna got all the boom mics. This Donna time. got all the boom mics. Yeah, I missed both of them. Yeah, I'm like trying to go through all of my notes and I just wrote teeny tiny little boom mics. Mm -hmm. Just like a little, little baby dip. You would have missed it if you weren't looking for it. And I did. It's cool. That's what I'm here for. There's <laughs> emotional things happening on screen and I'm just like in the top inch of the screen like, is it there? <laughs> is it happening? Oh, yep. Um, the, I think the only other kid we haven't talked about in college is Steve, maybe? Yeah, because Steve is starting to talk about how he really wants to go to USC and that his dad's legacy and they have a ton of money. And then Mrs. Teasley's like, you also have a D average. Oof. Yeah. Steve-o. Ooh, not so good, buddy. And he was so like, really? I thought I had a C. And I was like, Steve, you're breaking my heart. <laughs> well, yeah. And this is classic Steve. You know, he thinks that you know, his legacy, his money, his, you know, whatever is, is just fine. And I don't love that at the very end of the episode, his money does come into play here. Um, cause that just kind of reinforces that thinking and he's probably not going to be taking school seriously. So, you know, well, and yeah, so like he finds out about the D he calls BJ and meets him in a back alley to get this stupid key, which he immediately takes to school and it doesn't work. Yeah. And then he goes to yell at BJ and is like, this was a prank. You were doing this to make fun of me. And then BJ's like, did you think they changed the locks, genius? Which right. is like, I really just hate how many times people on the show call somebody else dumb. I know. It just makes me sad. I was like, we can all lift each other up instead of bringing <laughs> each other down. But then we wouldn't have the drama. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, like, people calling him dumb and being like, you have a D average. You can't get into school. Like, that's what drives his feeling like he needs to cheat and that's why he breaks in later to try and get the key and then yeah he just pays off the janitor to like not tell anybody about this which is totally gonna backfire at some oh, yeah. point 
yeah, I mean, he's going to get in trouble, either like academic probation or caught, you know, stealing before he can actually cheat. Who knows? But it'll it'll definitely catch up to him. Well, yeah, because that's the thing is the janitor was like, well, you know, you could have just bought the key like you have money and then walks away. Like, so I feel like they're leaving it open ended. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe Steve's going to try and buy the key later or this guy's going to be like, I know you have money. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't just ignore the fact that like Steve still has a D average. <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly. not going to get him into school. Yeah. Like, I think that's the bigger issue here. <laughs> Yeah, because, like, everybody else, like, Brendan and Brenda and Brandon thought they weren't going to get to, you know, one of them was going to not get to go to college, but that got wrapped up. Donna had, you know, quote-unquote resigned herself to community college, but now she has, you know, art school as an option. Uh, Dylan didn't really change anything about him wanting to go to school, but now Brenda isn't trying to force him to go to school. Mm-hmm. And Steve is in exactly the same place. Yeah. I feel like he and Kelly are both kind of in the same place because Kelly also is kind of on the same side as Dylan is like not really sure if she wants to go to college. She's probably a little bit more unsure than Dylan is. Dylan seems pretty confident that he doesn't want to go to college and Kelly is just kind of like, I don't know. I just feel kind of aimless. You know, I feel lost. I don't really know what my purpose is or like what I should be doing, but college doesn't really sound like a thing I'm excited about, blah, blah, blah. And I feel like she didn't really have a resolution. Um, but yeah, it makes me think, though, if Dylan and Kelly both don't go to college, is that an opportunity for them to, you know, get together? Ugh. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, like, we didn't even see her have a meeting with Miss Teasley. She missed hers. And then mm-hmm. just, like, that was it for her because they spent too much time in this episode with David and Steve just undressing her with their eyes. That's true. Which, yeah, I will say, like, there were a couple of really good scenes between Kelly and Brenda, though, because, you know, Brenda finally confronts Kelly on, like, you know, I've noticed you've been down, you know, ever since school started or for the past, you know, several weeks or whatever, like, what's going on? And obviously, she can't tell her everything because of the whole Dylan situation, but she does say, you know, college is stressing me out. Like, this is not, I don't feel right about all of this. I feel bad. I feel aimless and yada, yada. And, you know, and then even later, Brenda talks to Kelly about, you know, what she should do about Dylan because she really wants him to go to school and she's afraid of leaving him and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So it's like they're almost back on track with their friendship, which I love and I'm going to dearly miss. Um, and that made a better episode, honestly, like these conversations, like where the friends actually get to be friends, this it makes for better television than this whole like drama stuff. And I know that's kind of counter counterintuitive for a television drama, but I can't help it. I like friends being friends. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is you have to have both because if you only ever have drama, it doesn't seem real yeah. that they're friends. Yeah. It doesn't legitimize the friendship. Yeah. So I totally get it. Cause yeah, I love the scenes where like they actually get to interact with each other and hang out and like be cute. Mm-hmm. And then what else happens? David can't stop thinking about Kelly naked. (laughs) Yeah, so much so that basically everyone knows about it. I just love that he can't stop talking to Steve about it. (laughs) I like how Steve was like, come on, man. I'm not only your business manager. (laughs) I'm your friend, too. I just, 
loved it because like yeah he's the only other person in this friend group that's seen kelly naked and then like it was really gross that they were just staring at her but like if you look at it as a tv show it was kind of funny yeah yeah like it was a little funny especially when andrea goes up to them and is like have you guys thought about me naked and and steve's like like, right now (laughs) i died like I just started laughing and I like paused the episode and I looked at John and he was he had his headphones and he was like oh I read what she said (laughs) yeah Steve and Andrea is just what I want in my life and the fact that she was like I couldn't help but over here do you guys think of me like that and Steve was just like hell yeah I do (laughs) it's such a like teenager thing to do to feel like like as much as you don't want people to be gross you also want the attention. Like for as much as we talk about, you know, treating people with respect and like not being gross towards women and things like that, I think there's still a part of you that's like, no, I want people to think I'm sexy. I just don't want you to be gross about it. Well, and I think that was the thing is like Andrea was like, she was the one asking about this. Like she wasn't like unaware and like you know not inviting of this thing she was like I just need to know and they were like yeah and then they sat there for a minute looking at her and she was like stop it yeah gross. <laughs> she's like all right all right that's enough <laughs> like no that's what made it fun is that like she was in on it yeah and then like she walked away and they started laughing like knowing oh it's a joke we're messing with her mm-hmm, exactly but yeah when Steve was like I'm doing it right now I was like stop it <laughs> uh babies I ship it so hard I know I told John I stan it and he was like what are you talking about (laughs) what word did you just say (laughs) I had to explain it and he was just like cool 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 yeah (laughs) and just went back to his own thing I was like I know I know honestly that I'm like rereading through my notes and that is oh oh yeah the only other thing and I just remembered from Mary's synopsis but was when Brenda was on the phone with Dylan and Dylan's, you know, talking about how, you know, she, oh, he doesn't yeah. want her to like plan her life around him, which I feel like is extremely fair because the the reason Dylan doesn't want her to do that is because he doesn't want to be resented later, which I feel is totally fair. I also think yeah. it's extremely relatable from a 17 year old girl in a relationship to be like, well, no, I, I want to plan my life around you because you're my world right now. And obviously not seeing the forest through the trees and understanding that there's more to life than your high school boyfriend because sometimes they do become your college boyfriend and then your husband and whatever it is but um but then during their conversation kelly shows up and interrupts the conversation and yeah the part that mary said where it's like dylan says i love you on the phone to brenda while staring at kelly (laughs) and like oh it was it was filmed so well and it made me so upset and like (laughs) her using the wrenches as an excuse to come talk to him because they had one episode where they didn't really interact. And she was like, I miss our friendship. And then earlier in the episode where like Dylan tells her like, oh, I heard David saw you naked or something. And she was like, yeah, you wouldn't stop staring. And he's like, well, yeah, if I saw you wet and naked. Yeah. Ooh, I'm sorry. Ugh. That actually made me cringe a little. Like that was different. Than, it was too much. Yeah. than the Andrea and Steve and all that stuff. Yeah, no, there's a big difference between the two of those. But like, yeah, yeah the whole Kelly and Dylan thing is just like, stop. I know. Stop. Don't I do just, this. I just want everything to be on the up and up. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like, it's a, it's a soap opera. Yeah. I get it. We're all here for the drama. <laughs> but at the same time, I am also 
very emotionally invested in Dilda. Mm-hmm. And yep. it's... It makes me sad. I know, same. But then, the I mean, so basically the whole point there was just that, you know, Kelly wants to be able to talk to Dylan without it being weird, and she confronted him about it, and he's cool with it, because of course he is. Why wouldn't he be? Um, and then the last thing that happens is we start, or we end the episode just as we started. Basically, Kelly trying to uh, take a shower, and David's, like, trying to apologize, which is good. I'm glad he, like, I mean, because it was a total accent, but he's like, I'm really sorry that I, you know, saw you naked. And she's just like, oh, well, do I have a surprise for you? And you think, I thought it was a dream at first. But then she undoes her robe, and she's, like, in, you know, complete flannel, <laughs> which is great. Just, it's not like David was actually trying to stop her. He was just like, Kelly. Yeah. Right. Kelly. Right. Like he could have like, 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 I feel no, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Like there should have been more like when Nikki was like throwing herself at him and he was like, no, I'm not going to do that because I love Donna. But this exactly. time he like, Kelly, don't take your robe off. That would be terrible. <laughs> I know. Ugh. But and he then, doesn't. Yeah. The only other thing I have in my notes, speaking of Nikki. Oh, is, yeah. Forgot about her this episode. Well, because, like, everything was just dumb. Because, like, the first time you see her, like, at this point, she is resigned to just being Brandon's girlfriend. Yeah. And I was like, cool. So glad this is a character that we have. She has no purpose other than being Brandon's girlfriend. Um, But, yeah, the first time we see them, they're making out against the lockers. And Dylan's like, oh, I'm so glad you got over this age thing. But then Nikki goes, who taught you how to kiss? I was like, why? So you can find her and fight her? <laughs> yeah, that was weird. I don't I don't need to know. Well, and she's like, oh, I, you're so good at it. And I was like, no, he's not. He's yeah. not good at kissing. Stop you it. Know. He learned from a fifth grader. And then he never <laughs> evolved the technique. <laughs> and he's so weird about it. He's like, what does he say? He's like, kisses aren't learned. They're made. <laughs> Gross. Oh, my God. That scene was so fucking cringy. Yeah. Everything with them is so cringy because I think the only other time you see them together is later when she's like, well, I don't want to just start dating a senior if I know he's just going to go straight away to college and leave me. And then he's like, oh, we're dating now. Yeah. Which like, what do you think you've been doing, Brandon? Jeez. Well, and like, I'm glad they acknowledged that, you know, this relationship has a limit on it if he yeah. leaves to go across the country. But like... Even when he goes to California University, Nikki is not still going to be there. No, definitely not. No. I mean, I actually, spoiler, she's only in nine episodes, and this is oh. her, what, third or fourth at this point? Like, we're yeah. already almost done with her. Mm -hmm. uh, she's growing on me, though. She's so reasonable. I mean, I have no problem with her, truly, but yeah, I mean, she's been relegated to just being Brandon's girlfriend. Yeah, exactly. So... Oh, well, I mean, we're at the halfway point with her. So next episode, she's going to turn insane and, you know, key his car. Yeah, I don't know. Here's, here's the preemptive RIP Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, like something's going to happen with her. I don't know what, but she's just going to be gone. Whatever. Um, so I have not graded this episode yet. Oh, okay. I graded. Um, I gave it a B for better friend scenes and bickering twins. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, overall, um, I kind of liked the episode. Like, uh, you know, I didn't like the taking a million steps back for David, but 
um, I like the college talk and I like the kind of plot progression and, and learning a little bit more about, you know, what, what the kids want to do after high school. Yeah. And I think, I think I'm going to give this, hear me out on this. I'm going to give it an A for effort. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, like, I think there's, there wasn't really a lot to complain about in this episode. Like, I think there were some really weird line reads, but I think everything served a purpose. That's true. Yeah. I didn't feel like like a lot was unnecessary. Yeah. And really, I think a lot of our complaints in the past have been that there was like unnecessary stuff that dragged along and then you have to like rush through the ending of it. But like I, everyone got a lot of time. I don't know. Maybe they're like really getting into the groove of this show. Yeah, that's fair. And like, you know, they're at a point where they do have a lot of plot to go through. So they're not having to waste it on like super long opening scenes of just montage at the high school and then like random, you know, dialogue with just people that aren't going to be around. Yeah, we didn't see someone bringing a bunch of donuts into the school for a minute and a half. Or we didn't (laughs) have to sit through an SAT class. Like everything really did serve a purpose. And I've actually been looking. I think it's really interesting so the ratings on IMDb are like viewer driven, right? Mhm. So like pretty much everything for Beverly Hills never goes above a 7. Oh, interesting. But like it only gets like 40 ratings on each episode. So like this episode was rated like a 6.3 or something on IMDb and I was like, yeah, but only like 5 people rated this episode. Huh. But I just thought it was interesting cuz Like, I look at that before when I'm coming up with my grades, and I was like, it's weird that I want to give it an A, and it got a 60. Right, right. But yeah, A for effort. I like it. I like the grade. I I think it did pretty well, and Steve was not the worst. He's not amazing, but he was not the worst. No. Steve watched 2020. (laughs) Movement from last time. Still mullety. (laughs) yeah he needs to cut that thing he really needs to get a haircut as does like every boy in quarantine right now oh john and i (laughs) were talking about that today he got out of the shower and he's like we're gonna need to figure out what to do about my hair soon and i was like yeah i was thinking about that because like i can grow my hair long but you really can he was Mm -hmm. like well i could but it'll just look bad and i was like yeah because at some point like i just have a long bob you have a mullet. Yeah. No, Nate is um, very unhappy with his hair right now and is begging me to cut it. And I used to cut his hair when we were in college, but I he does something different with it now and I just don't want to mess it up. Yeah. Like when John goes to get a haircut, he gets like kind of a fade, I guess, like shorter yeah. on the sides, longer on the top. And I was like, absolutely not. Yeah. I, I cannot do, do this. <laughs> no. So yeah, our current thing is like, you know, I'm, you know, on mandatory work from home until May 31st, but John hasn't gotten that from work yet. Like, I'm pretty sure he expects it. And even so, he probably wouldn't go get a haircut too much sooner than that. Mm -hmm. But we're definitely getting close to the point of like, we're just going to buzz his head and deal with it. Yeah. I might have to end up doing that because Nate's just every day he's complaining about it. Yeah. This was the first day John said anything. And like his hair is still really short. It's not like he's, you know, going insane or mm-hmm. something that I was like, there's, there's probably going to get to a point where you will not tolerate this anymore. 
Yeah, pretty much when Nate knows it's time for a haircut is when, you know, his little like sideburns curl and he does not have curly hair. And so when he gets like a little curl there and then like right on the back of his neck, it gets a little tiny curl. He's like, okay, this needs to go. And it's definitely at the point where he's got little baby curls. (laughs) Oh, little baby curls and little baby Nate. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah, my, my hair's hit like Bob growing out length and... I'm sitting here like, okay, I can either let it grow out during quarantine and like go back to having like shoulder length or a little bit longer of hair. Or as soon as we get out of here, I'm chopping it all off again and I can't decide. Oh, I'm chopping mine again. I'm already fed up with the length it is right now. Like it's just at a weird length. So as soon as this whole thing is over, I am making a hair appointment and I can't wait. Yeah. Mine's at such a weird, like I can put it all up into a ponytail but it starts to fall out after like mm-hmm. an hour. And then there's like little wispy bits on the back of my neck that cannot fit up into a ponytail and they're pissing me off. Yeah. Mine's just at the point where it's like, you know, like when it was shorter, it would like curl pretty easily just on its own. And now it's like starting to fall out. And I'm like, ugh, this yeah. is bad. Yeah. I can't decide what I want to do with it. But like, I'm definitely, I'm going to have to get a haircut because mm-hmm. like, the layers are growing out, and you already know I hate my layers. <laughs> I just hate the haircut she gave me. Well, hopefully everyone stays safe and we can get out of this sooner rather than later. Yeah, and hopefully not everyone has to buzz their heads out of <laughs> yeah. frustration. Exactly. <laughs> no, I've, I have been saying, like, maybe now is the time I do something drastic and just, like, buzz half my head. <laughs> yeah. Might as well, right? Right? I got nothing else to do. Let's do something crazy. Let's go crazy. Yeah. Well, All instead right. of instead of buzzing your head, you should follow us on Instagram <laughs> and Twitter at Back to Podcast. That's right. Because next week we're going to be talking about season three, episode ten, Home and Away, and you want you don't want to miss that. You don't want to miss that. I have no idea what it's about, <laughs> but me neither. You don't want to miss it. Yep. And also don't forget, you can reach out to us via email um, and send us your thoughts or questions or comments or any behind the scenes tips um, that you might have seen from your first run of the show back when it was live. Um, You can do that at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to uh, like, review, subscribe, share the podcast on whatever platforms. Five stars, please. (laughs) Yeah, listen to Mary. Yeah, Mary's super smart. She gives us all of our synopsis so we know what to talk about. Yeah, so give Mary five stars. (laughs) Yeah, specifically Mary, not us, because Mary's (laughs) way more important than me. (laughs) I will accept your stars. Thank you. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I mean, I guess that's it. Unless y'all have anything else? Nope. Nope. Okay. Okay, cool. (laughs) So, all right. From all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm Ariel. I'm Caitlin. I'm Mary. Bye. Bye. See ya.